This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. What's going on, everybody? Another episode of Shooting It Straight with myself um, and my man, John. Big win. Uh, North Carolina Tar Heels went on the road against Pittsburgh, pulled it out 70 versus 50, 70 to 57. But I guess before we start, I just want to give a shout out to Johnny T-Shirts, your place for any kind of gear and apparel for your Tar Heels. Um, And also Congruity HR where Tar Heel fans can get a free payroll and HR needs assessment. So go check those two places out. Thank you all for sponsoring this episode but back to the basketball man I think it's uh it's a lot of takeaways that I think you can take from that game that we uh, were a part of in Pittsburgh Um, for one I think the first thing I want to first say is how hard it is to get ACC road wins no matter who the team is Um, so I think that's one positive that you have to look at I think as you kind of start to break down the game a little bit. I think you kind of start to see kind of how they were able to pull it off. I mean, you look at field goal percentage, they held Pittsburgh to 31% from the field overall, uh, basically 17% from three. Um, And the biggest thing you saw going into the game, all they talked about was Henson and his outside shooting and what he brought from the three-point line and to be able to hold a team um, to 17% from three is pretty impressive. So um, I think that's first and foremost. I think more of the negatives is on the other side of the ball. Um, you know, I think when you look at kind of how their offense ran, I think there was some some issues, whether that was just missing shots or guys not uh, being in a rhythm. You know, like we talked about, it's the first uh, away ACC game that they've had all year. And so 
pressure is a little bit different. Now these games really start to count in a different type of win column. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of, that was kind of my breakdown. It was a, it was a defensively, they were able to really shut them down. And I think that's why they were able to come out on top. You know, I think there's still, there's still some things that I think need to be kind of ironed out. You know, I think last night's game, I think was the worst shooting game we've seen from Harrison um, all season. So hopefully that's just kind of a, you know, one that just kind of, okay, I had a rough shooting game. We move on. But one thing I think we need to talk about is kind of Cormac being in that, you know, fourth or fifth spot when it comes to um, playing time and guys that are on the floor a lot. Um, You know, as a shooter, as I watch Cormac, I think I kind of, you know, and I don't want to speak, you know, on his behalf or anything like that, but I've obviously been in kind of the same situations as he's been in. Um, You know, going into the season, we really talked a lot about how Cormac was going to be a big piece just from the standpoint of being able to space the floor and knock down open shots. And I'd say he's been up and down, um, but more on the down, I would say, for the majority of the season up to this point. And, you know, I think when I watch – when I watch him shoot and the shots that he takes now, I think a lot of, a lot of them are rushed. I don't think he goes through the same, I don't think he goes through the same, you know, speed on all of his shots. I think a lot of times you kind of see, he trying to, he tries to use a quick release on times when he can just take his time and knock down a shot. Um, and, and maybe it's overthinking, you know, maybe at this point he just really wants to see that next one fall. And so, you know, he's almost pressing too much. Maybe it is a little bit of confidence. Um, I'm not sure what it necessarily is. I know for me and when I've been in the position and I'm sure I'm still going to go through the same situations, but a lot of times it's for one, I'm pressing, uh, two, I'm rushing, um, three, I'm not getting the same mechanics, whether that's the base or my balance or, um, getting square to the rim every time, whatever that might be. It's not the same mechanics every time. And so I think it's just a matter of, you know, as shooters, you just have to get back to the basics of how you shoot, how you've always shot, your preparation that goes on before you get the ball um, to make sure that whenever you step into the next one that, you know, it feels like you've shot it a million times before. So, you know, hopefully Cormac is able to kind of get things straightened out a little bit um, because they're definitely going to need him. Cormac is, is a huge, huge piece for this team. And, You know, one thing we've talked about before in in previous episodes, we've talked about, you know, can he affect the game when he doesn't necessarily make shots? And obviously he hit three shots. He had a few free throws, finished with 10 points. But you look at it, he finished with seven rebounds, two steals. You know, so there was other ways that he was affecting the game, which I love to see. Um, So now if he can just add, you know, being that consistent shooter that we know that he is, I think he's going to be huge, huge for this team. So. Um, I think that's kind of the biggest, the biggest, I guess I'd say negative takeaway that I had from the game was just kind of shooting wise, you know, if, if RJ is, if RJ is going to be hounded, um, and they're going to focus so much in on RJ from the perimeter, you know, there's gotta be other guys to be able to step in and knock down shots. So hopefully this was just kind of a, you know, first away game in ACC and, kind of got the jitters out a little bit and you kind of get back to it. So uh, that's kind of what, that's kind of what I felt. Well, we're, uh, I think another one that we need to talk about is RJ. What, what are you thinking about 
as you watch RJ, man, he's doing some unbelievable things. Yeah, I've been really impressed with RJ all season long. I think he just plays such an important role on this team because he's not afraid to carry the scoring burden for UNC. Mm -hmm. I was looking at some stats earlier. This one is a percentage of shots taken when he's on the floor. And RJ ranks third in the ACC uh, behind P.J. Hall from Clemson, who we'll talk about maybe a little bit at the end because that's the game coming up for North Carolina. Marcus Burton from Notre Dame. And then there's RJ. He just plays such an important role in just providing pure scoring for UNC. Uh, he, We've talked a little bit about the streak he was on with the 20-point games and leading UNC in, in scoring. That ended against Pitt. But his consistency as a scorer and his shot making, whenever UNC kind of finds itself in trouble in a possession, he always finds a way to, to score the basketball. I think that's just so needed for this team because UNC doesn't have a lot of other just true scores. Yeah, and I think, you know, kind of going off your point, when you look at RJ as a shot maker, he has so many different ways that he can make shots. You know, he's, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, you know, it's tough to compare anybody to a guy like Steph Curry. But when you watch Steph Curry, everybody just says he's a great shooter. But the ways that he makes shots is in so many different ways, it's hard to play defense against him. So, you know, you might – he might run off of a pin down one possession and catch and shoot. And then all of a sudden he might have the ball and he's coming off of a pick and roll or he's – coming off some sort of action off the dribble and he's able to shoot it and make it at the same same exact clip that he does on the catch. And so when you see RJ, you know, you know, I think they replayed it about eight times, but the shot that he made at the end of the first half, they ran a nice little play for him, got a little pin away for him and came off and shot it. But then you see so many times in transition, he's the guy with the ball in his hand. He might have either a dribble up three or he comes off a pick and roll and he's able to knock down the shot just as effectively as if he's coming off of a pin down. So I think having that, having the ability to shoot it off of multiple different actions, I think is something that makes him very difficult to guard for other teams. And plus he, he gets his shot off extremely fast, you know, for him to be, you know, whatever he might be six feet, six one, um, to be able to get shots off as fast as he can is, is makes it even tougher because now you have to really be on his hip to try to get him, you know, to put the ball on the floor and not be able to shoot. So, um, you know, those, those things that he has uh, make it so hard for guys to guard him. And then you just kind of see the confidence each and every game at this point, you know, like you said, I mean, he's not afraid to take shots. He's not afraid to be the main guy whenever he's on the floor. Um, and he, he embraces it. And so you can kind of see his confidence just continue to continue to grow. And I think he's going to, he's going to need that confidence. Cause I think one thing that, you know, I've been kind of shocked at, but obviously, you know, as a fan of North Carolina, I'm happy that no team has done it, but you haven't really see teams, you know, blitz him or double team him off a of pick and roll or do things like that. I think you saw Pittsburgh get a little more physical um, with him a little bit more and they tried to key in a little bit on him, but, you haven't necessarily seen, you know, the double teams and maybe even the boxing ones and things like that yet. So I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is just having other people step up. And, you know, I think we saw a change in this game as well as far as lineups, man. We saw a little bit more of the Jalen Washington and the Mondo lineup, um, which I think is 
could be good for this team. I think at times it could, you know, definitely cause some issues just size wise. Now you move a guy like Harrison, who's, you know, six, seven strong, can play multiple positions. Now you move him to the three spot where he's probably going against a guy that's, you know, maybe smaller than him or less physical than him. Um, and I think, you know, you look at kind of what happened last night, he had five offensive rebounds, 15 total. Um, so it opens up things a little bit more for Harrison to be able to take advantage of, you know, the players that might be smaller that he's going against when there's two lineups, obviously offensive rebounding, they finished the game with 16 offensive rebounds. Um, and that just, you know, going back to even when I was at school, that was a strength of ours. We always had two bigs on the floor at all times, basically. And we always felt like we always led the country in offensive rebounding. And all that does just gives you more opportunities offensively. You know, the more shots that you get, more than likely, the more success that you'll have. So I think seeing that was was big. And then without, you know, at this point, I'm so used to defensive three seconds. But without defensive three seconds in college, now you can just clog up the paint. Now you can just, you know, even if a guy gets beat on the perimeter, you've got two bigs in the paint waiting for him at the rim. So I think it's an interesting lineup. I think it's an interesting, you know, concept that can maybe be used throughout the season, whether they're going up against, you know, two other really good bigs or they're going up against a team that's a little more physical, a little bigger. Um, being able to go to that, I think, is can be key. Um so I don't know. I guess we'll see. I think, you know, Jalen Washington still only played eight minutes, but, you know, we saw that lineup a little bit, which I think is is interesting. And, you know, I think it'll cause some issues for teams at times and be able to give some guys breaks if they need breaks and things like that. So, you know, I, I was interested to see that. I don't think we've really seen it too much this year. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to be big. So, yeah, yeah were you we'll surprised? See. Were you surprised that Jalen Washington didn't play more against Pitt because he was coming off a performance against Charleston Southern? Now I know it's it's Charleston Southern. And, <laughs> you know, Roy Williams always said UNC is more gifted than some of those teams. That was certainly the case with Charleston Southern. They couldn't handle Jalen's size, but still, he went. Uh, you know, he he had uh, let's see, 17 points, uh, which is a career high, I believe, for him. His offensive rating was 175. It felt like he turned the corner a little bit offensively in that game and maybe put some things on tape that we hadn't seen before. Maybe you've seen it playing against him in practice, but the fans at large hadn't seen it. And then he only uh, scores two points against Pitt. He only plays eight minutes. Were you a little bit surprised to not see him factor more into this game? Or are some of the defensive limitations that he has maybe playing against a a team against like, like a Pitt that has some size he, he mm-hmm. just can't stay on the floor as much. I think, um, I mean, I think, you know, how Coach Williams used to say it, they, North Carolina was just more gifted than a Charleston mm-hmm. Southern team on all aspects. And so it's, it's easy to sit there as a fan and say, well, why is he not, why is he not playing more? Did you not see how he dominated this game? Mm-hmm. But when you break it down, he was just bigger and just more gifted than those, than those guys, you know, during that game. Um, you go into a game like this, they've got those two twins who are basically footers. Um, mm-hmm. They've got other more physical players. Obviously, you've got Henson who's smaller, but he's, you know, I kept on, I was watching the game with my dad and I just kept on calling him a bowling ball. I mean, he's just a, a huge physical guy 
you know, anytime he drives or anything like that. So, I mean, you, you, you have size like that. Now you start to really see, okay, what can he really bring? And I think offensively, offensively has never been an issue for Jalen Washington. He's always shown that he could be a pick and pop threat. He can knock down outside shots. He's big. He can move pretty decently offensively. Um, but it's just the defensive side and the rebounding side, I think, that is that causes issues for him getting on the floor. And so I think, you know, I've I am a I'm a proponent for Jalen Washington to play a little bit more. But at the same time, like we talked about before, we're not at practice every day and we don't see how, you know, how he plays against other bigs, you know, on a day in, day out basis. Um, and for this team, maybe he just doesn't, you know his his picking and popping maybe doesn't fit all the time into what they're doing and the schemes that they're doing. So I think that's kind of why you see his minutes go up and down. Um, but like I said, I, I, you know, what he, what he can bring, I think is very intriguing to me. I think being that big and being able to space the floor, I think is huge. Um, but obviously, you know, he's got to show in other ways that, you know, coach can trust him and can put him on the floor against, you know, even guys that are, bigger, stronger, or even taller. So, um, you know, I'll be interested to kind of see how, how this ACC play goes and how kind of people's minutes go. I think one person that I think that, you know, we've always talked about who can kind of step into that, you know, guy off the bench that's kind of consistent and you're able to, you know, trust that he's going to go out there and do what he needs to do. I think Seth Trimple is that guy at this point in the season. I think he's been – you know, obviously, besides besides RJ, I'd probably have to say he's probably been the most consistent guard, let alone the most consistent player off of the bench. And when you when you see him go into the game, you see obviously defensively he gives, um, you know, the aggressiveness, get out of passing lanes, pressure the ball, um, you know, block shots, things like that. But then offensively, I mean, he's shooting the ball at an unbelievable rate, which is something that you didn't necessarily expect going into the season. You know, when you look at his splits, I mean, he's shooting 52.8% from the field and 54.5% from three. Now, obviously he's very, he picks and chooses his times to shoot the ball. But when you have numbers like that and you're playing, you know, consistent 17 to 20 minutes a game, I mean, it's, it's, a lot of people say numbers don't lie, but the numbers start to not lie, you know, and, and it's just his consistency that he's brought game in and game out, I think is huge for this team. Um, and it gives, you know, it gives a guy like Elliot who's still trying to learn and, you know, figure out what the college game is like and where his spots are. It gives him even more time to learn because you have a guy like Seth that you can lean on coming off the bench. So I think the way that Seth has played has been phenomenal. Obviously, he obviously has to continue it, but I think the way that he has played has been great. And, um, you know, the shooting is obviously just kind of a cherry on top of what he brings. But if he can shoot consistently the way that he's shooting right now, I think that expands this team even more um, because it just brings another consistent guy that you can play, um, you know, and these guys that start don't have to play 35, 37 minutes a game. So, He's huge. And then obviously Jalen Withers, somebody that we, mm -hmm. we talk about a lot. Um, his ability defensively, obviously you see 
see the highlight put back that he had um, last night. You know, those are the things that I think that he can add to this team. You know, he might not be a knockdown shooter. He might not be a huge just offensive threat in general, but he can get to offensive glass. He can straight line drive. He can defensively, he can guard multiple positions. I mean, when you look at, when you look at Withers, his athletic, his athleticism and his size is everything you would want in a big wing or a power forward. He's literally, that's picture perfect of what you would want athletically and his, you know, physically how he is. Um, so now it's just a matter of can he be consistent when he gets those minutes of doing the things that he needs to do, whether that's offensive rebounding, getting to the glass, defensively causing havoc, you know, blocking shots, getting out of passing lanes, being able to switch on multiple multiple positions. I think in college basketball, when you see a switching defense, I think a lot of times it takes college teams out of what they're running just because they're so used to, okay, if I bring a, if I bring a big man up into the action, he's going to drop back or he's going to hard show off the ball screen. Now I know what reads to make. Well, if you come off that ball screen, all of a sudden they just switch and there's no advantage that you've created. Now offensively, there's not many college teams that have that next action to get something. So you bring a guy like Withers in and he's able to do that. Now you've got him, you've got Harrison, you've got a guy like Seth, those guys that can switch basically one through four now defensively you're even better and so i think i think he's going to be the one that as i kind of as the acc play goes to see what his playing time looks like as the time goes on i think seth has kind of solidified himself at as that six man you know that will consistently play coming off the bench but i think withers kind of seeing the spurts and the, the showings that he has at times i think will be interesting to see you know, what his minutes look like as, as conference play continues. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think with Withers as well, you see it's not just like a a nice to have, but it's like a need to have for UNC. (laughs) They need someone who is 6'9", who can kind of bang with the other wings, who provides that sort of 3 and D role for, for UNC. Because going into conference play, we've talked about it already with Pitt, that was a tough physical basketball team. And Jalen Withers you know, Hubert Davis is looking down the bench. He's kind of saying, who can I, who can I play in a game like this? Uh, maybe he's looking at a few guys, you know, maybe someone like a, a Zayden High, maybe you're a little bit too young for this matchup, but Jalen Withers, he has the experience. He came from Louisville, so he's played plenty of ACC games. 
but he also has the size and the strength to sort of hold up against Pitt. And I think that also showed last night, like this UNC team without Jalen Withers, I don't know, like they would have really had to lean on the starters <laughs> last night, I think. So I, I saw that as well last night, like the role that he plays on this team is only going to become more important heading into ACC play against these stronger teams. 100%. And I think too, as, as fans, um, fans don't realize really how hard it is to go into another school's home arena and come out with a win. And so you go into these hostile environments and let's just say they, they played the, you know, the starters 38, 39 minutes and didn't have any kind of, you know, positives from anybody off the bench that starts to add up, you know, as the games go on. And obviously you have what, 18 ACC games, and then you go right into the ACC tournament and then right into the NCAA tournament. So the minutes start to really, you know, add up and start to take a toll. And so if you can, if, if North Carolina can get 15 to 20 minutes, you know, on average from Seth Withers, maybe even Washington, that automatically brings the starters minutes if they're able to rotate it, you know, in a way that they can do it. it automatically brings their minutes from 37 to, you know, 34, which doesn't seem like a lot. But on average, each and every game, if you're able to do that, that means each game they go into, the starters are more fresh. Each game, you know, as as the, the starts to get towards the end of ACC play, they're able to still knock down shots. Their legs aren't gone from having to play 40 minutes in a game prior. So I think that's, you know, like you said, it's it's something that is needed. You know, the bench is needed no matter how many minutes or what their roles might be. The bench is needed in giving those, you know, the, the starters a break. Also in those minutes where they're going against, you know, the other team's second five, being able to win those minutes. Those are huge minutes that, you know, kind of make or break a team. If the starting five is always having to carry the load the entire game, even against, you know, fresh guys coming off the bench and things like that, then it makes it way more difficult to win. So I think as the season, as this conference play goes on, a guy like Withers is going to be extremely important. You know, it's it's tough because, you like you mentioned, we ha you have a guy like Zayden High on the bench, which I think is very talented and has a lot of skills that I think um, will eventually be really important to this team. It's just tough going into ACC play as a freshman. You know, it's really hard. You know, I, I was, we talk about, I was able to come in and play right away and start, but there was at times, there was times that I probably shouldn't have been on the court. Like I just, as from a maturity level, basketball wise and physically, it's just a different level from what you're used to, even though you've gone against, you know, upperclassmen in practice and, things like that, going against teams that, you know, Pittsburgh is known as a more physical team, going against a team that's as physical as Pittsburgh sometimes causes issues for freshmen. And I've been there. All the freshmen that have ever come through have been there. Um, so I think that's why you kind of see a guy like Withers and um, Jalen Washington and guys that have been around a little bit more get more of an opportunity. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Zayden has – you know, opportunities sometime, you know, down the road, whether it's foul trouble, whether they just need some energy. You know, we know that Zayden High always comes in and plays extremely hard and brings all the energy he possibly can. So 
you know, there's always going to be a moment. It's just a matter for those guys on the bench to stay ready. I mean, you saw Pax got in for what, like 40 seconds a minute, you know, in that, that time, obviously as a basketball player, you don't want to just go in for 40 seconds or a minute, but in the scheme of things, that minute can be really important. You know, you can either go down by five or you can go up by five in that situation. And, you know, they just have to, guys coming off the bench just have to always be ready um, to be able to go out there and, and make their mark in whatever ways that that might be. Um, so, you know, I think, I think another thing, man, like that, that I, when I watch this, this team, and I hate to keep going back to when I was at school, but cause it's just a totally different landscape of bad college basketball, obviously brand new coaching staff, the plays they run, things like that is totally different. Um, but one thing that we talked about was the fast break points and, mm-hmm. you know, it, it almost seems like it's hard to come by at times for this team, you know, and whether that's because they don't necessarily do a bunch of jump traps or they don't have a ton of pressure on ball or, you know, things like that. But, you know, when I, when I watch this team, they don't, they don't cause a ton of turnovers, which isn't necessarily a bad thing as long as they're containing the basketball and not letting guys drive past them. Um, But I think that's one area that, that maybe, you know, when you've, when we've watched this team at times this past, you know, non-conference play, a lot of times they got back into the game by causing turnovers and getting up and pressuring and trapping and, and causing turnovers so they don't have to go against a half court, you know, defense every time. Um, and I think that that adds a different aspect to this team. You know, when you, when you have, when you have a guy that's scoring the ball like RJ does, and you've got a guy down low who a lot of times he's most effective just on the block. You know, you've got those two guys. You have to be able to create more space. And a lot of times that might be they're getting out in transition and then finding an opportunity or, you know, getting out in transition, just getting easy buckets to kind of keep the defense, you know, at bay. You know, when you have to go against a, a team that has been able to scout you and that you might play twice a year um, and they've, you know, once ACC play starts, it's every team knows the plays you run the schemes that you do defensively, offensively, um, what kind of players are on the team. Like everybody knows everything. And so sometimes those, either whether it's offensive rebounding or transition, that's just other ways to try to get easy buckets because it's hard enough to go against a team, you know, Pittsburgh, I think you're, you saw a physical team, but you're going to see more talented physical teams as ACC play starts. And so, you know, I think that's one thing that maybe, you know, they can focus in on. Obviously, I'm not saying all game long you pick up 94 feet and you trap, you know, every other play and you do all that sort of stuff. But I think every once in a while, just kind of turn the pressure up a little bit, I think can help this team be able to get easy buckets and it'll just open up things for everybody else. So I think that's one thing um, that maybe they can pay attention to and maybe change as, you know, as this conference play keeps going. Yeah, and we, we bring it up, too, because it, it correlates to winning. UNC is 9-2 and two when scoring more fast-break po- points than their opponent. And we talked about the bench earlier. UNC is 8-0 and oh this season when they score more bench points than their opponent. So these are things that really correlate to winning. They're going to help UNC as they go throughout the season. 
Let's take a step back a little bit, Justin. This was UNC's first road game. It kind of felt like their their first conference game, even though it wasn't. It kind of kicked off conference season. Kind of zooming all the way out, what's the biggest takeaway you had or what's the biggest thing you learned about this team kind of playing this uh, kind of tougher, grinded out style basketball and getting up, getting out of there with the win? I think there was, I think there's a few things. I think like we talked about, I'm going to keep on echoing how hard it is to get ACC wins, let alone road wins. Um, you know, especially in a place like Pitt, even though you know, they're nine and five and zero and three now in conference. I'll never forget my freshman year. We went into Pittsburgh, and I want to say it was—I think it was a jump ball. It was on the jump ball. It was really loud. They had some really, really good players on the team at the time. Um, jump ball. They got the ball and tipped it ahead, and the guy dunked it. And like I said, that was my freshman year, and the way that the crowd roared at that moment when he dunked the ball um, was at the time it was like, it was hard to think, you know, it was like, okay, well, we need to get the ball out and go back on offense, but how do we do that? Cause right now I don't, I don't really know what's going on. So ACC road wins are extremely hard to get. And when you win them, no matter how it might look, no matter how it turns out, you got to clap and celebrate for those wins. Um, so that's my first takeaway. Um, I think my second takeaway take is, and it's going to be a consistent thing throughout the rest of the season, is just shooting. Um, you know, for this team to be as good as I think they can really be, shooting has to be consistent. You know, you can't have guys necessarily going one for five from three and oh for two from three and, you know, you can't have guys that you're relying on to knock down shots. You just can't have that on a consistent basis, um, especially when your team is built up of a big down low that's dominant on the block and the offensive boards and a guard that's out there that's a little bit smaller that teams are going to start keying in on a little bit more. Um, you know, you're going to have to be able to step in and knock down shots consistently if you're kind of that, you know, those guys right outside of those top two. So I think those that's going to be, you know, consistent thing for me is if, you know, can these guys, can Cormac, can Harrison, can Seth continue to shoot the way that he's shooting? Um, I think that's, I think that's kind of one of the um, biggest things for me when I watch this game, but, you know, at the same time, we got to look at their defense, holding these guys to the percentages they held them to, um, you know, literally <laughs> as I watched the game, all they talked about, I feel like was, you know, how hot Henson was and how much he did from the outside. And you kind of look at how his, how he struggled all game. Yeah. Some of his shots were just missed shots, but a lot of it too was from the defense being played on him. And I mean, if, if you ever hold a team to 31% overall and 17 from three, I, I'd probably say eight or nine times out of 10, you're going to win that game. And, you know, that was pretty impressive to me that they were able to kind of, you know, move away from the fact that they weren't able to hit shots and continue to play defense the way that they played. So I think those 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 three things were my biggest takeaways. Um, I think, you know, uh, if they can continue to, you know, just do better uh, from the three-point line, I think it's going to be, you know, I think they win instead of 13, I think they win by 25, you know. So there's always things you can take away from the game. Um, 
But, you know, at the same time, you got to look at the positives and, you know, also hold on to that. Yeah, you've been listening to the Shooting It Straight podcast with Justin Jackson, the episode after UNC's 70-57 to win against Pitt. We've talked about the fact that this was UNC's first true road game. So I wanted to ask Justin about a road trip that comes to mind from him. It can be either in college or in the pros, maybe in the G League, uh, anything that comes to mind. And, And while I give you a second to think, I'll tell a quick story on my end about a road trip I had going to cover a game. It was actually a game you played in. It was at Pitt. This was uh, your junior year, UNC 85, Pitt 67. Uh, You and and Joel and Isaiah and Kennedy uh, dominated that one. But I went as a student journalist trying to cover the game. It was my (laughs) sophomore year. So I was working for the student newspaper at the time. Our travel budget was essentially non-existent. So our solution to go to the game, first of all, we drove eight hours, which was super long. But our solution for lodging was we were going to stay with another student at the Pitt student newspaper. So we have never met this guy before. We pull up to a dorm (laughs) and he tells us, all right, guys, you can sleep in the spare bedroom of our dorm room. So I ended up like sleeping underneath a dorm bedroom. It was it was it was dark. It was crazy. Um, We also didn't have parking for our car. So we had to wake up at like 5 a.m. and like circle downtown Pittsburgh, like trying to find parking. And we were moving our car, you know, to try to make sure that we didn't get towed. And, you know, that's the that's the craziness sometimes of, of covering a game uh, from a road trip perspective. Justin, I hope your story is not that bad. Uh, I'm hoping that you have nicer travel in, in the G League and in college. But any road trip stories uh, come to mind for you playing any away games? Man, I don't. I don't know if I have any. I don't have any like crazy. I mean, that's a wild. The fact that y'all did that. <laughs> that's wow. I don't know if that's like courageous or if that was just dumb for y'all to do that. But a, a little bit of both, I think. So, sophomores in college, that'll that'll happen. Oh yeah, you kind of feel untouchable. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally understand it. Um. I mean, I don't, I don't really have any crazy stories, to be honest. I mean, our road trips were always – I mean, we – I was just talking about it with Theo uh, not too long ago, but we were talking about how we would always go to a steak dinner before we got on a plane. You know, Coach Williams was the whole suit and tie and all that kind of stuff. So we go to, you know, Frothos in North Carolina, Angus Barn, or, you know, we do Roos Chris sometimes – uh, but we would always go somewhere where they had steaks. Coach loved steaks. So we would go there, eat, up on the plane, go to wherever we were going, and then we would land and we would have snack. Now, snack wasn't just, you know, like a box of pizza and, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, we would have pizza. We'd have burgers. We'd have chicken. We'd have, I mean, you'd have desserts. You know, you'd have cookies and whatever. and You'd have so much stuff. You know, and you, a lot of times, like, guys would still be kind of full from the steakhouse, from the steak that they just ate. But they did not ever, like, cut corners when it came to feeding us. Um, so that was always that was always super dope. Um, but then I think, you know, one thing that was so crazy to me was, you know, it was at a bunch of different places. But a lot of times the away student section 
you know, and, and I, because they played Pittsburgh, it reminded me so much about Pittsburgh. Um, I think they call it the zoo. I want to say, mm-hmm. I want to say they call their student section, the zoo. Um, when we would get, when we went out there to like basically get shots up before we went out there to do layup lines, all that kind of stuff, the student section would have like a list of things that they knew about you. So like, the student section would have, if you had a girlfriend, the student section would have your girlfriend's name and who she was and that kind of stuff. I remember one, <laughs> I remember one time uh, somebody found a sheet from the students uh, and on it, uh, Kenny Williams, who was on the show not too long ago, he's got like a bunch of nieces and nephews. And I guess they found a picture of him with one of his nieces and basically like put out there that he had a daughter. Um, And it was just like crazy stuff like that. And the students, they don't care if they're wrong, like, and they're going to cheer and go at you as hard as possible. Like they don't care about your feelings if you're from the other, you know, from the other side. So those definitely created some, some, interesting times but also awesome times when you were able to shut them up and win the game and you walked out of there and they were the losers and you were the one that was you know going and showering and getting back on the plane and you had just had a good game and you know y'all did everything you were supposed to do so those were kind of the memories that I that I have from road trips is just like the heckling fans and the information that they would have on you and you know stuff like that was always fun especially when you were on the winning side. Justin, I got to ask, was the nutritionist involved with the pregame steakhouse <laughs> and then snack of pizza? <laughs> you know what? It's um, It probably wasn't the best kind of snack, but we were, I mean, we were 18, 19, 20-year-olds in college that ran a million miles in practice and in games and lifted all the time and things like that. So at the time, I mean, I don't know if, I don't really think it really affected us much Um, now you know I think if I had that as a you know a meal before the night before a game it might be an issue you know I might be a little bit more slower and have to get woken up a little bit more but at the time it didn't really matter our bodies were like you know (laughs) no effects ever came from it so thankfully you know we it didn't affect us but we enjoyed every bit of it. I'll tell you that. We enjoyed every bit of it. And before the message boards get all crazy, uh, you won a national championship uh, your, your junior year. So I think it it worked out uh, just fine. North Carolina plays Clemson on Saturday, uh, another road game for the Tar Heels. Then the week, uh, the game following that, they go to NC State, to Raleigh. So two more road games coming up for North Carolina. Justin, get us out of here. A little preview maybe of Saturday or just final thoughts after UNC's big win over Pitt? No, I think after these first three games, all of them being away and obviously going against a team like Clemson, who, you know, is already being ranked at the top of the ACC, um, playing them at their home gym, I think is going to be a great test for this team. And then obviously, you know how the games against NC State are. Um, you know, little bro versus big bro. Um, so I think after these three, these three games, I think we'll kind of see how ACC play is going to turn out. I think, you know, like the, like we talked about before, if they're able to clean up some of the things that I think 
you know, were issues in this game and continue to play defensively the way that they're playing and getting consistent minutes from, you know, particular guys, I think they're going to be just fine. You know, obviously it's a long, it's a long break and hopefully, you know, they can stay in rhythm, you know, guys who maybe aren't shooting the ball well or had a rough, rough game last game against Pitt. Hopefully they're in the gym and kind of getting back in rhythm a little bit and, you know, go into this game on Saturday, ready to go. But you know, I'm I'm excited to see how this how this conference play continues to go. I think it was a great start to get that that win on the road in Pittsburgh, and you know, interesting, excited to see how they go. So, once again, to everybody listening and maybe watching, that we appreciate y'all. Um, we definitely appreciate y'all tuning in and checking out checking us out a little bit. Um, you know, I'll always say, I'll continue to say, as as fans, keep on being there, keep on supporting this team. I think they can do some really big things. So continue to support them and uh, critique a little bit if you need to. But uh, they definitely feel the support, and they know that you know you're watching, and you know they can definitely feel it whenever they're on the floor. So uh, once again, we appreciate you, and uh, happy New Year's. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.